The Canadian Improv Games is turning 40. For 40 years, it has impacted high school students' lives and continues to shape intelligent, unique, and passionate youth. But what happens when you graduate? How does the CIG impact the lives of alumni, of volunteers? This podcast is part of the Canadian Improv Games Roundup Tour and is designed to dive into the lives of alumni who have stayed in contact with the Canadian Improv Games. The two days immediately after we landed in St. John's, Newfoundland, we got more than two feet of snow. Michelle and I spent these days working and enjoying snow days in Newfoundland, which involved staying in pajamas and watching Gravity Falls. When the snow petered out, we headed to co-regional director Stephen Payette's house for lunch and a chat. Here, boy, is what happened. Um, great. Uh, welcome back, of course, to the Canadian Pro Games Roundup Tour Alumni Tour Podcast. Uh, as usual, it's your boy Spencer. And you main girl, Mish. Uh, and today we have with us... Uh, Mike Hammond. I've been doing improv for 14 years, and I'm currently the co-regional director of the Newfoundland Tournament. Uh, Stephen Payette. I've been doing improv for seven years, and I am currently the other co-regional director of the Newfoundland Tournament. Hi, I'm Katie Warren. This is year 10 with the CIG for me, and I'm a trainer and judge in the Newfoundland tournament. Great, cool. So, um, something we like to talk about uh, in this is how and what made you get into improv? What made you see improv on stage and go like, that is what I want to do? Uh, I love telling the story because it all started about a girl. Uh, This girl I had shared a, a class with, I had a super big crush on her. And my homeroom teacher, an English teacher, who was also the improv coach, was like, hey, I think you guys would love to do improv. I think it's really uh, your style. And I said, no, not for me, thanks. And then uh, she was like, yeah, I'm going. I'm like, yeah, me too, of course. (laughs) Uh, And Because I had to wait around after school for my brother anyway. So I went and like after like 10 minutes, I was in love. It was with improv, not her. With the girl. No, no. She just cast aside. <laughs> no, she rejected me. I love improv. Uh, improv didn't reject you. She made the team, and I got cut from the team. Uh, but she never continued afterwards, and uh, it's been like my number one passion ever since. So you tried it the next year, and you got it. Yeah, uh, we started like a, like a mini B team uh, the year that I didn't make it because a couple of us didn't make it who wanted to continue. And then the next year I was on the team, and then I was pretty much coaching the team in my third year. Because I, like uh, I hooked up with uh, some local improvisers uh, in St. John's uh, who showed me the ropes a bit. So I got a lot of confidence out of that. Cool. cool. Steve, do you want to yeah. do that one? Yeah. Uh, I... Uh, I started doing improv in grade 11, uh, which is kind of, I guess, kind of late for the Newfoundland tournament. And um, I found out just through a buddy of mine, uh, Liam Penny, who played uh, he played in the CIG the year before me, and he came back to me, and he was obsessed. He was just like, man, you have to try this thing. It's so fun. You're, like, you're going to love it. And I was just going to sort of like a sort of a new high school, and I wasn't really like doing any like extracurriculars there or anything like that. And then I uh, went and went to like one improv workshop that Katie Warren was running at her school and I became obsessed. I just loved it. And then, uh, 
during the team that year and then was just like immediately after that was just like hooked for until now <laughs> i had a workshop at encounters with canada which was like a program in ottawa and there's a guy there who was there doing just like an open arts workshop for all the students who were going and uh i went to the first one there and i remember doing um we just did like some simple games and stuff and everyone was having so much fun and it was just like such a blast for everyone involved and I was just like I have to do this when I get back to Newfoundland so like I immediately started pestering everyone I know who did improv and like found out like when the first workshop was going to be and stuff like that and I just like jumped on board. Uh, well I started doing improv in grade eight myself mm-hmm. and my childhood best pal Emily O'Keefe who was the year behind me decided we were going to start an improv team at our school uh, because her dad had been very involved in the starting of our tournament. So, yeah, I guess my story isn't as cool as anyone else's, but we started a little team. We were real bad and then less bad, and here I am. I'm, like, very interested in this idea. We every, It seems to be everywhere we go, people... A lot of people have that story where they, like, followed a crush that they had to improv practice and then stuck with it for, for 14 years. Like, it's... What do you think is it, is it about improv specifically that makes people so obsessed and so interested right away? Like I took piano growing up and I, was, I never like took one lesson and was like, that's for me forever. What, what is it about improv as an art form that hooks people? I think it's, um, to me at least, something that Mike said earlier as a little joke, which is improv doesn't reject you, right? Mm. Like as soon as I got to my first like improv thing, it was immediately like, Let's all be friends and trust each other completely and share ideas and have a great time and no one's going to be mean. Which I think, especially for a lot of kind of weird kids in junior high and high school, is an environment they don't get to be in a lot of everybody liking them and being friends. Right. <laughs> what is this magic? <laughs> what? Well, the, the idea that your idea is never rejected, it's always accepted and enhanced. Uh-huh. And if you get... If you get people who get that notion improv becomes the most addictive thing because uh in our crazy stupid monkey brains uh we're part of something now we're part of the tribe we're part of a family we're part of a unit and it's it's so refreshing especially in high school when a lot of us are trying to find out who we are and a lot of us are trying to uh figure out you know how to fit in with people to be accepted so willingly and so uh, uh, I think Mike Farty once said, um, it's the only place where you're unconditionally loved upon meeting someone. Uh, and uh, Mike Farty is uh, the former regional director of the Newfoundland Improv Games, one of my best friends. Uh, and he's probably, maybe, the, in my opinion, the best improviser to ever come out of Newfoundland. Go <laughs> <laughs> Farty. Yeah. Don't they have an award that you guys give away every year that makes it sound like he died very long yes. ago? Yeah. Uh, it's not supposed to sound like he died, but every year Mike does a speech. And it's a lovely speech, but it always sounds like Mike Farty died. What is the speech for? What award do they give out? Oh, it's for the Mike Farty Award, which is just like... <laughs> 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 I understand why people think he's dead, but that goes to your player who's most embodied the games after the tournament's over? Yeah, so someone who's uh, uh, been a leader on stage as well as off stage, someone who really embodies the oath, and someone who's... Uh, Mike Farty has an amazing ability to make them, the people around him, better. Mm. Uh, and so that's one of the uh, things that, like the player who gets the uh, Mike Farty award is someone who makes the people around them better I have a question about 
about Newfoundland. Newfoundland is a very um, amazing place. I love Newfoundland a lot. And it's very unique, I would say, in that, like, except for, we were talking about a little bit how Winnipeg is very isolated, but I feel like Newfoundland is like, you got to basically fly to get here. No matter what, not even yeah. basically. You have you to have fly to, to get yeah, here unless you drive through Labrador, which is no. Nightmare. Even then, it's not connected. Or take a ferry. Yeah, you can take the ferry. Oh, I but... guess so. But either way, isolated. And <laughs> yes. What does that isolation maybe do for your improv scene outside of the CIG? How has that impacted the sort of Canadian improv games uh, feel here in Newfoundland? Uh, everybody's friends. Uh, well, it's something that um, I've noticed traveling around to different tournaments. Is I've seen a lot of. Like, comparatively, a lot of camaraderie between the teams in our region. Like, sometimes the like the players in our, our region, I'll be at the mall, and I'll just see a group of eight teams, and it's, like, a mix of five different improv teams, and they all just kind of went to the mall together. And it's, yeah, like, they just all hang out with each other, and it's very charming. I find it lovely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, like, we, uh, like, I'd find, like, when I was a player in the games, like, people from different teams were constantly hanging out with each other and it was just like it was like a group of like super close friends all the time um and it was really nice and that's something like i don't i don't have as much experience with like seeing other regions and if it exists but there just never really seemed to be any like poisonous rivalry in our tournament like it was always like it's like yeah it was really like if another team bet you you know it was like great you know you were just kind of like that's awesome because my friends just won you know you weren't you weren't like super you were upset that you didn't win but you were stoked that your friends won and it just kind of like i don't know we always had a really nice uh community hold on like just being friends with each other yeah that wasn't that was very intentional uh because myself and mike put a lot of effort uh because you guys were still in the games when me and Mike were kind of uh, running the board stuff. And the whole idea, we have a thing called Improv Boot Camp where it's just kind of like an improv sleepover. And we do workshops, but to me and Mike, the workshops were absolutely secondary to having these people who a lot of the times don't get to talk to each other outside of like the warm-up room. They just to go and get to know each other and be friends and do this thing that they love together. And it created a community, which I think we have one of the strongest communities uh, in Canada, I think, uh, just because everyone is so on board with supporting everyone else. And not that other tournaments don't do that. Uh, so what you're saying is that... Um because of the sort of isolation and because of a lot of the work that you and Mike did early on, you focused uh, on community before competition. Yeah. Our, our tournament, uh, like winning is nice, but it's not the goal. Right. The, like, the teams in Newfoundland, the goal is to have as much fun as possible. If you win, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. And I think the really cool thing about improv is if you do win... It's not that winning the title is the goal. It's the goal is to win to do more improv somewhere. And that's something I really like about the games. Yeah, I always talked about that when I was in high school, that like the prize for winning regionals was getting to play at nationals. Like we had no interest in whatever, how we placed at nationals. It was all about like, oh, amazing. We get to do another night of play. Yeah, just getting there. Yeah, that's incredible. That's like the best feeling. For sure, like... You know, teams from Ottawa, Toronto, or even Tri-City, like, or Kingston or Montreal, which are all very close to Ottawa, uh, 
can drive there, take the train or whatever. But for a Newfoundland team to travel so far, what I mean, you guys have been there as volunteers or as players. What is that experience like for like leaving the rock and coming to Ottawa to see this incredible thing be part of this? I don't think any of us has ever played at nationals. No, myself, <laughs> uh, yeah. no uh, myself and Steve's team got second two years in a row. I think for a lot of uh, the isolation is a bit like a lot of teams that go are intimidated mm. because all they know because they haven't seen other tournaments. They have it like they are traveling this big way, and all of a sudden uh, they see a bunch of teams that play differently. Uh, we're so isolated. We have a lot of the same style of improv. Mm. Mm-hmm. Newfoundland has kind of. Uh, uh, a singular way of playing versus um, somewhere like Toronto where you have like 53 schools and they all have gone all over Canada and they gone all over Ontario and Quebec seeing other styles and learning from that we kind of have uh, developed like our own kind of way of playing and so they go away and they see a different kind and they get intimidated like as much as like it's like we're going away now we have a bunch of new best friends uh, but a lot of the times they get intimidated because they're not used to seeing different styles of play I feel like that's all East Coast teams really yeah yeah yeah. so now with the National Festival what it is and and all the workshops and sort of you know, more encouragement to watch the whole weekend to be there for a lot of it. Have you seen any sort of cross-pollination where, like, a team comes back from Nationals and has a new sort of um, format or styles or anything that they bring back or something that you guys bring back maybe from Nationals to them? Well, I think we've been very lucky that we all have gone to Nationals a whole bunch in the past few years because it helps us a lot as trainers. Because as much as it's like a shell shock for the players, I remember my first time volunteering at Nationals, I was like, everyone here knows so much more than me, and they're all experts, and I'm tiny and from a tiny rock in the sea, right? Like, I had this... <laughs> well, I had this huge, like, everyone knows so much, and everyone's been sharing so much knowledge for so long that I find that a really exciting opportunity for us as trainers to kind of learn from you folks and from everyone else who is involved at the nationals level and kind of scoop up things to bring back here. Yeah, because uh, away there's so many more opportunities. Like if you want to go to Montreal and learn for a, a weekend, or if you want to go to Guelph and learn, or if you want to go to Toronto and learn, or if, uh, in BC, I'm sure there's a, di- a bunch of different companies. Uh, in Newfoundland, there's we're it. <laughs> uh, we are the people who who are instilling the knowledge, right. and so it's important for us to get away too, even if it's not uh, learning from all of our friends at the improv games. But like I took a I took a week trip to Chicago, just like I need to le- learn more myself. So I can bring back more for the students. Yeah. Question: I think uh, is that since you guys have never been to nationals as players and only we've been there first time as volunteers, what was your first time like volunteering? And we've heard from Katie's. And why did you? Why do you want to go back every year to nationals? So what was your first nationals like, and why every year are you stoked to go back? It, it was. It was like such a big cool big thing to go to um and it was like it just felt amazing to be there especially because you know i'd seen like the nationals broadcast of the of national finals and stuff and i'd like always wanted to go there and now i was going as someone who was going to be like teaching a workshop and stuff and um it was like definitely intimidating um but i was lucky where i had done workshops with um 
other improvisers across Canada before. So a lot of the staff I already like knew and was friends with. So that made it a lot less intimidating to go there. And it, but a main reason why I wanted to go back was it was like, it was everything that I loved about improv coming up through high school. And then it was just like seeing that that same love is on a national scale, right. you know? And it was like, I wanted to go back every year. Cause it was like every year that I go, it was like, this refresher of being like this is why i work hard at this thing and like this is why i volunteer for the region and this is why i want our regional players to branch out to the national tournament is to like right. find that love and to make these friendships my first time was uh a long time ago and newfoundland had actually never like really had representation at nationals like uh, Mike Fardy, our former regional dire- regional director, uh, would go if he could once in a while, but we never really had um, anyone there to kind of represent the tournament. And he wasn't there that year, and so I asked if I could go because I was on the board of directors for Newfoundland, and uh, the volunteer spots had already been filled, but Alistair Cook, uh, at the time was the general, general manager yeah. of the, of the whole shebang. And, uh, he said like the hotel spots are filled, but if you guys want to pay uh, your own hotel room, uh, then we will absolutely love to have you here. And he welcomed us with open arms. So we went, we paid our own hotel room, old flights, everything like that. Uh, we were selling shirts and we couldn't be happier. Um, and uh, I met Haley Guest, who was the regional director of Halifax, eventually. Uh, and I met her in, in the elevator. And it was immediate best friends. It's, it's that feeling that you got when you first joined improv. It's like, oh, these people love this thing as much as I do. And now we have this great common ground to get to know each other. And I felt like one of the team immediately. Hmm. It was just, it was just such a welcoming experience. And like it is, like Steve said, it is really intimidating because all of these people are best friends and they see each other once a year, uh, and they're all catching up. But they're so ready to like, hey, we're catching up, but come into the fold, and you're one of us. Uh, and it was, and that's why I go back is because uh, I've been going for so long now. Um, I want to do my part to make the event better for the people who get to go. And uh, also just to see these incredible people and find out what, they're, what they've done for the past year. And right. like uh, there's some people who, who have businesses that started from a little, a little thing and now they're huge. And they're doing these incredible artistic ventures. And seeing them again is always, you know, these are these are my best friends. These are the people who I trust inherently, even though I've known them for, like, a grand total of, like, three weeks right. that I spend yeah, with them. Yeah. Uh, like, I met people who, like, I've literally known for a week, but all of a sudden now they're staying on my couch or I'm staying on their couch. And it's as if we've known each other for years. Yeah. And then speaking as a group, we're usually, we're like the alum of the people that come back and to nationals. Like, and I remember mm-hmm. being there for the first time and being like, oh gosh, these people have been here for so long. And now we're those people who kind of get to welcome everyone else in. Mm-hmm. And like, how has that kind of changed your role in the games? I feel like I try to just be like, hey, new volunteer, like, how can I help you? But not freak them out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of my favorite things is 
watching students that you've watched for like four years be an improviser and you're like they are so cool and what a great improviser and then as soon as you're their volunteers you're like yes finally like we can be friends like outside of being volunteers like I'm or outside of being a player and I'm like just I just get so excited when there's a, a new crop of volunteers that you can befriend I get super awkward oh really <laughs> I get so awkward because like they're they've seen in uh, in our tournament anyway, uh, I'm so much older than everyone else, uh, and our volunteers are generally much younger as well. So all these students have seen me as this just like giant old man, and all of a sudden now they come to work for us as volunteers, and I want to welcome them, but I'm like at the games, I'm all right, like frantic trying to get everything organized, and I try and say hi and try and say hello, but. In my head, I'm like, oh, no, I haven't seen them in a year. I want to ask them so much. But I go, hi, how's it going? Gotta go. And I was like, no. <laughs> and then, like, the, like, the little glass breaks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I, I completely uh, screwed that up. I don't think they felt welcome enough. <laughs> I think Because uh, I just kind of yelled and ran. <laughs> I think you're in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, last year at Nationals had somebody tell me to my face that he really looked up to me, um, which was a charming and lovely event. Um, a few years ago, actually the year that I first went to nationals, I was temporarily living in Ottawa and I judged their tournament that, that year. And this had been someone who was in like grade 11 that year and had like gotten an adjudication from us and like had seen me as kind of a, like a games adult then. And then the year following had seen me I was lucky enough to get to ref at nationals, which was a lot of fun. But um, so then this person was volunteering at nationals last year and was just like, hey, just wanted to thank you so much for making me feel welcome this week. You're someone I really look up to. So it was nice to feel like I'm your friend now. And I had this moment of like, oh, I'm old and responsible and people look up to me. And it was intimidating, but also really lovely. And I think to me, one of the most exciting parts of getting involved is kind of seeing people grow from, like you said, from players into, like, volunteers into your best pals, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also on the other side of, like, I remember being a player and seeing these volunteers, like Mike, and going, like, these people are, like, in the pantheon of, God. like, I remember sort of thinking, like, these are the people that control my life. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, graduating and going, like, oh, they're just people, but they're still, like, the best people in Canada, and now I can, you know, we're mm. kind of peers. Um, and so you can, st- you know, you don't have to we're just people. <laughs> but it's crazy that like we're we're having so much fun and we know we're doing something for for these youth, but it's crazy that I, I don't think until you have those moments where people come up to you, you don't realize the impact that you're actually having on someone. Uh, the like people have come up to me in tears and said like they like thank you for what you've done and it like it it hit me that this is so much more important than, than like, yeah, this is a family, we're having fun, this is the best time, we're creating art. But for some people, this is it. Yeah. This is their thing, this is what they love the most in the world, and you help to make it happen. And a lot of the times, I think we forget that we can have that kind of impact on people. And it's, it's, it makes this whole thing more magical. That we can have the most fun ever. We get to meet these incredible people. But at the end of the day, we do get to make a difference. Right. This is something that like people spend their entire careers trying to achieve is making a difference in someone's life. And we do it 
in literally the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. We do it for one week and you want it's so magical in that week that you want to get everyone to watch it. You like mm-hmm. how do you create an audience for this? So what do you say for people who haven't seen the games? Uh, well, I think one thing that I would want to tell people who have never come to see the games is high school artists are better than you think they are. It's a show worth watching. Well, because I definitely think that people underrate youth performers and youth mm-hmm. artists, but yeah. I've seen some of the best theater I've ever watched in my life at CIG events. Right. And I think that even if it's not your kid and it's not your friend, like I think that it's an entertaining and exciting environment for anybody to join in on. Right. Mm-hmm. I find a, like a lot of people have uh, heard of improv, but a lot of them just haven't seen it on stage before. Um, <laughs> a really easy way is just being like, you want to watch improv? And they're just like, yep. Oh. And then they go. Because <laughs> like, We got to make you posters. Yeah. <laughs> you want to watch improv? Just do you want to watch improv? <laughs> All block letters. <laughs> The answer is always yeah. <laughs> like, Come see this thing. Okay. It's an experience. Uh, it's something that only happens once and will never happen again. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the artist creating something. It's an experience that only the players and the audience can ever be a part of. Right. And so this show will never happen again. So you've seen something that is truly unique and truly special and will never be replicated. Wow. It's like if you try to explain an inside joke to somebody who wasn't there. I yeah. feel like all of improv is like that. Like, I'm trying to explain to people why it's so magic and why it's so great. And people are just like, that doesn't, like, why it doesn't sound that funny. You just said the word goat. Like, what makes that a funny joke, right? 100%. You just have to go. And for the people who uh, who dismiss improv, because a lot of people say, like, oh, improv, it's like, I guess it's, like, sort of art, but it's over there. It's not theater. It's a step to get to art. Yeah, this yeah. is this is what you do in when you're young to become th- theater artists one day. I get a lot of that. And uh, those people have never seen an improv show. I'll mm-hmm. guarantee you. They'll right. never, they've never experienced finding out at the same moment as the players that special thing in a scene. Right. Yeah. Has there been an improviser or an improv company or even an improv scene that you've looked at and you kind of looked up to and has like kind of shaped your improv experience more so? You find you play a little more like this or that because of them? Can I pick Steve? I want to pick Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picking Steve, uh, who was on my high school improv team. When we were in grade 12, there was a scene that we did at finals that was set in an aquarium. I remember it well. Yes. It was a magical (laughs) scene, but... I remember that scene, too. Yeah, yeah, there was one moment where I was like, Steve is the funniest person I know, and I want to be just like him. And I've been trying to be as funny as you ever since. But he went on stage as a fish and started smoking. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then mimed bubbles coming out of his mouth. And I was standing on the back line, trying not to pee my pants laughing at it. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And and my mother will still talk about that as well. Like, uh, anytime I'm talking about Steve-O, like, anytime he comes up, my mom's just like, remember that time? I'm like, yes, yes, I remember it well. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, great, we're almost out of time. 
So uh, we, Michelle and I each have one more question. My question is this. What does 40 years of improv mean for Canada? What do the past 40 years mean improv mean for Canada? And where do you see the improv games going in the next 40 years, over the next 40 years? It's just going to get bigger and better. Because improv is a young art form. And we're now hitting mainstream. Right. Uh, schools are starting to recognize the importance of it. Uh, politicians are starting to recognize the importance of it. And I think this uh, thing that started off as like a little theater festival is going to be global eventually. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to be an old person lurking around the games. <laughs> I agree with Mike that it's going to be bigger. I think it's going to be more and more like sports in high school. I think it's going to be like schools will recognize its importance and fund it and it'll be big and exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, like, because uh, we've had a lot of discussions on and off podcast about, like, the points and, and why we have to score this and why can't it just be a festival and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, the answer that I've kind of come to terms with myself is that uh, it validates it a lot for parents and teachers and schools. Because I know when I was in high school, like, we applied for sports grants to go. We didn't apply for arts grants. We applied for sports grants to go to, to nationals mm -hmm. um, because we were like, well, we come home. Maybe with a trophy, like that sounds like a sport. Uh, I think that, um, I'll I think the CIG is like the hidden gem of mm. our school system. It's nationwide and it's helped out so many people, you know? Yeah. And um, I think something that's going to forward the games and it's also forwarding improv in general is just that people are now seeing improv as uh, like a tool to help each other, mm. you know? Like it's getting, it's getting used for so many different diverse ways of like you know helping students in high school like overcome fears and find themselves and like learn how to express themselves and uh overcome anxieties that they're having and then it's that is doing amazing things for uh, our canadian students and then it's also doing amazing things because people are carrying that over to things such as like business people who are taking improv workshops to get over public speaking it's helping so many different people and i feel like that that is becoming more seen now and i think that that's only going to grow more michelle last question all right close your eyes and that thinks back to your last night you played what would you tell yourself before treasure this moment uh you're gonna love these memories these memories are going to be something that you keep close to you uh, for a very very long time so just treasure the moment I would say uh, calm the heck down. <laughs> uh, well, because it's never the end of improv. There's always going to be more improv. Just enjoy it while you're doing it and right. like relax and kind of let yourself enjoy, I guess, the end of your CIG player improv, but only the start of the rest of your improv. Right. Like, like Katie said, it's just um, don't put so much pressure on yourself it's like you're just gonna go on stage now and you're just gonna have a fun time doing this thing that you love so just enjoy it yeah and i think it takes the competition part and then leaving the competition part to understand that the competition is very secondary yes like in high school you're like this it, the points matter we gotta win and maybe not maybe your team was all about fun but everyone you know when there's points thinks about the points a little bit mm -hmm. um and but that's important and then as soon as you're a volunteer or you're outside of the games you go oh my gosh it was all a trick. <laughs> the points were a trick just for me to um, just for me to, to realize how big of a community this is and to learn those skills too. Well, thanks for coming out to the podcast. Yeah. 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 We've been spouting so many days here in Newfoundland. Yes, we have. Well, end it by doing a big <laughs> answer. And scene.